Hello, and welcome to Jackie's Hand of Horror. On today's episode, we're going to do things a bit differently. We're all about new things around here. Learning, experimenting, moving forward. Today, I'm going to tackle this subject on my own, even though everyone I know has had to deal with it. And that subject is Depression Sucks. Today's show is part of my own processing and my deepest hope is that something I say here may inspire you or help you to shift towards something better for you. Now, I'm not here to unload my own sordid tale that may or may not include neglect, trauma, loss, grief, or many of the other challenging events we experience as part of our human condition. But I do want to share that I've learned quite a number of useful things in my 59 years here on this planet. And one of the most useful things and least useful things I've learned is that the only thing we can ever truly control in life is our own perspective. Now, when we can change our viewpoint, the whole world changes too. But when you're in crisis or pain or any number of chemical or hormonal imbalances, all that just goes right out the window. Everything is warped and skewed. And when we're able to see things differently, finally, we wonder how we were ever in that other place. So for a little while, will you join me as we explore a few different perspectives of dealing with depression? For our thumbs up segment of today's show and our movie trailer review, I'm going to talk about a new show that I just found on Netflix. It's titled Maniac. The stars are Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Now, Emma Stone, um, let's see, she was in that Billie Jean movie, Billie Jean King, amazing. She's incredible. And Jonah Hill, who I didn't even recognize him, but I recognized his voice. He has a very distinctive voice. He's lost a lot of weight. He looks really good, but he looks so different. Anyhow, they're just both really good uh, actors. The characters are amazing. The show is about uh, these two characters, uh, played by Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, that are are brought into a facility of a pharmaceutical company with other strangers for a three-day drug trial, and they have to stay there for that time, and they're assured that there's no complications or side effects, and that the drugs they're taking will solve all their problems. Uh, all the people in the um, in the study have some mental issues of one thing or another. So, anyway, I've I've watched a couple episodes. It's uh, dark and a uh, little bit funny, but it's it's I like it. I would definitely recommend it. It's on Netflix. And uh, on my YouTube page, I'll put the link and also um, here on SoundCloud. If you go to uh, the link where you, you got into this, you'll find it. 
Let's see, what else? Oh, you know, lately I've really actively been seeking out things that are inspirational or that can give me good information uh, as I've gone through these dark times, which we'll get into a little more later in the podcast. But um, here's one that I've really enjoyed. See, when things, one of my personal tools is uh, I like to look at things on television I like to find shows or I read positive things like Reader's Digest or on the internet um, Upworthy. Upworthy Upworthy.com is a really good place to find some great stories. I find great stories and some really funny things. Humor always helps on Cracked.com and um, so anyway let's see It's a documentary that interviews a number of transformational speakers, spiritual leaders, nutritionists, counselors. I watched it on the television station Gaia, G-A-I-A, which, by the way, I'm finding a lot of really positive, inspirational things, regardless of your spiritual belief. I also found uh, links to this film on YouTube. And I'm sharing that link on my Jackie's Hand of Horror Facebook page and on my uh, YouTube, Jackie Naaman Jones on YouTube. Anyway, the show is called Emotion. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for things that are really inspiring. And this, it, um, It talked about emotion from all these different viewpoints, and I just got a lot of great information out of it. So anyway, I really think you should check it out. And um, if you have anything that you would like to share with me that's inspirational, things that, that you've watched that helps bring you a more balanced and calm place in your life, then uh, please, please share it with me. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it on my movies today or television programs. And um, we'll see you in the next segment. For this Depression Sucks episode and our Four Finger Ideas segment, Let's talk about a few simple things that we can do that can help shift our perspective and give us a much needed break from the hamster wheel of dark thought. A great tool for me when I need a distraction, well, it's getting outside, and if possible, I go for a walk. Now, if you followed me on any of my other platforms, you'll see that I collect and I paint stones and I release them back to the wild. So when I'm on a walk and I see blank stones, I collect them for painting later. And that in itself is a pretty nice meditative process. During the deepest part of my depression, uh, I couldn't be bothered to even do that sometimes. I mean, to go outside for a walk, much less anything else. But when I did make myself go out, I would instantly begin to feel better and I think, well, why don't I do this more often? Well, fortunately for me, um, I have a dog and 
he would shame me into walks. Uh, that's Shanka. And so anyway, Shanka was, is, is very instrumental. I say that he's my life coach because that guy keeps a close eye on me and, um, tries to make sure I'm taking care of myself even when I don't want to. So, but if you don't have a dog, you're just going to have to do it on your own. And, and I'm telling you, it's not easy, but if you can get yourself out there, even for a few minutes, you will probably feel better. Because something about that, it gets me outside and it gets me outside of my own head. Uh, and sometimes those moments, just a small shift towards something different. Now, <clears throat> if I can't go for a walk, if I cannot go for a walk, um, I find that doing something physical often helps, even if it's stretching, just stretching, uh, rearranging a section of my space, sometimes just one little corner, uh, it'll make me feel better if it gets straightened up. Uh, I keep a stone painting kit handy, so, um, you know, when I need a positive distraction task and and I can't really think of anything else, I can easily grab that. And it just occurred to me, you know, um, there's the adult coloring books. Next time you're out at, you know, one of your big box stores, um, find one of those. I think even the dollar stores carry those. You know, some of them have like mandalas and just designs. Uh, grab some, some uh, colors and... I used to do that now that I'm thinking about it as a teenager. Uh, I'm an artist, but I would, uh, I loved having a coloring book and just a uh, color in that sometimes because you don't have to think about it. You can just go instinctively with colors that feel good to you. Um, sometimes uh, reading. So maybe for you, it's reading something positive. I love websites like Upworthy.com. That's U-P-W-O-R-T-H-Y.com. They have great stories about just the best things that we do and who we are as people. And reading something like that is, is often just the greatest way that I start my day. I'll read it when I get up. I'm having my coffee and then sometimes I'll share it online and and it makes me feel glad to see the responses I get. Also, a big one is look to your nutrition. Live, raw, organic vegetables are the best. And to eat the rainbow, meaning to eat vegetables from every color to get the widest range of nutrition, is really best for your body. I invested in a great juicer, and I took my time to find the best deal I could on it. It's called a Huram. That's H-U-R-O-M. Look it up. They're not inexpensive, but they're worth it, especially when you find a great deal. And when you think of it as an investment in your health, because less doctor visits is way worth it to me. I love that thing, and I use it sometimes more than once a day. I experimented with different combinations uh, for vegetable juicing, and I make juice now nearly every day for breakfast, and I've been doing it since April, so it's a firm habit now, and I don't feel quite right when I don't have my juice. Um, the combination that I put in my juicer that I make is with kale and or Swiss chard, 
beets and the greens, they're greens, and carrots. Uh, another thing I learned to make with my juicer is ice cream made from bananas primarily. It's dessert and it's good for you. And when I serve it to other people, I've uh, experimented with a little bit, uh, adding cinnamon and different things, and, um, and people have no idea how dang good it is for them. So anyhow, I recognize that as hard as things have been for me, that it would have been worse, much worse, I think, if I'd not already taken steps for healing with food. And uh, the reason I did that is because I hate going to the doctor and I was feeling so terrible that I had to do something. So um, I'm now, I'm a big proponent for all of this. And all you need to do is Google the connection between mental and physical health and what we put inside our bodies. And I think you too might see taking some, some additional steps in that direction. <laughs> the way I look at it is it can't hurt you, right? Recently, uh, one of my sons was struggling with depression as well. And uh, so since I was already juicing, I made extra juice and I started handing it to him every day. I just told him, this is, I'm your mom. And as long as you're living close by, you're just going to have to deal with this. So I'd hand him juice every day and... Um, things began changing for him within a couple of weeks. And outwardly, he started looking much better even sooner than that. But it seemed to give him a much-needed boost. And uh, But for him, I traded the carrots out for pears because carrots make his throat itch. And without either, it seemed just a little bit bitter. Um, so those are my top tips and hints for do-it-yourself mental and physical health. But look, understand that every one of us needs help beyond ourselves. And that comes in many, many different packages. If we can just open ourselves up a little bit um, to see outside of this rigid perspective that, that we sometimes place ourselves in of uh, self-judgment and all those negative things. But there is help. And sometimes you just really... You, you really need to be the one to reach out and ask. And I know how easy it is to isolate yourself when you're depressed and how gradually it comes upon you. My heart is with you. And all who struggle with this, with this issue of depression, we're all connected and much healing can happen when we can just remember that. So I'm with you. On this show today, I'm giving the middle finger interview segment to myself. I've been going through some pretty trippy shit stuff for at least two years. And, you know, I believe I found my way to the other side. And at this point, I would really like to share some of my journey out of the darkness story with you. So for the last couple of years, I have been living in a very uncomfortable place and such an existence that I've had crazy physical symptoms and they just progressed and got worse. I would suddenly be hit by this weird dreamy mind state and my heart would start racing and I would feel confused, 
spaced out I, and, and I wouldn't be able to finish my words or my thoughts uh, it was way deeper than that. It was like being possessed or, or in another world or just I had no words for it. And for quite a long time, uh, I could mostly fake my way through it when I was in a public uh, event or, or place. But I did notice that I'd get some odd looks from people when they would see something was going on with me, something was different. All of a sudden, I would just kind of stop talking. As I was trying to gather my thoughts, the words would leave my mouth my brain and or maybe I would say the wrong word something different would come out of my mouth and and somewhere inside my head I would know it was wrong but I didn't know what was right the symptoms began getting worse and it was followed by other strange things and after a while uh, like most recently after I would go through this episode, which I began to call them, I would begin shaking like someone was in shock, who was in shock. And when it was finally over, I would be worn out and fairly useless for a while. Uh, needless to say, this was heavily impacting my life. And although I wasn't canceling any schedules or events, I was concerned that that was coming up next. Um, one example recently was uh, this summer, I was at San Diego Comic-Con, and I was there for uh, three days, and doing my best to take care of myself. I wasn't staying out late, I was getting enough rest, uh, keeping the stress down, uh, bringing healthy food with me, and um, so regardless, I... It was overwhelming, and at one point, I needed to leave the booth for a few minutes, and I went to the restroom, which actually wasn't very far from our booth space. I left my phone behind because it was charging, and I thought I'd just go to the restroom and come right back, which was, like I said, not very far and kind of a straight shot. So I knew the booth number was 1235, which... From now on, for the rest of my life, I'll never forget that number. So I went to the restroom, and I came out, and the food court was right there, and I was confused. I Everything lost my head. It just left. And I had no idea what the booth number was. I didn't have my phone with me. And it was just... Odd. So I wandered around for probably 15 or 20 minutes before I finally found my way back and uh, was extremely relieved. But that was frightening, as you can just imagine. So episodes like this would happen really at any time and in any situation. It didn't have to be a stressful situation. I could be in my car and on the freeway and it would happen. And sometimes these things could last up to 15 minutes. My friends and family started witnessing it. And a few weeks ago, I even went to the emergency room, which is way out of character for me. Honestly, my leg would have to be hanging off by some sinew for me to say, I think I need help here. <laughs> but I was really concerned at that 
time that I was about to have a stroke or something, the way that my heart was racing. So maybe that day, maybe that, that situation was the last straw for my body and my mind. But a number of things changed after that. And a week or so later, and you know, I wasn't writing this stuff down, but the episodes just kind of stopped. So I'm not an expert (laughs) by any means, as much as I love to do my research on Google and, and all that. But I've got some ideas about what's going on here. So let's talk about that. Things seem to be beginning to begin feeling a bit overwhelming several years ago, like right, well, when I was writing my book, uh, Growing Up with Manos and Hands of Fate. And that in itself was stressful because I'd never written a book before. This was brand new for me. And I found somebody, uh, Laura Mazuka Toops, my co-author, who could help me through that process. But even so, I did the writing and I did the research and uh, with all the help she gave me, this was a big step for me. And so even, but then, so we write the book and even before it was released by the publisher, I started doing a Kickstarter and writing a script to, for a sequel to Manos, The Hands of Fate, titled Manos Returns. And that was... Um, for me personally, to involve my father, Tom Naiman, who played the master in Manos, the Hands of Fate, in a project and as an excuse to spend time with him. And uh, that's a whole other story, which I'm not going into here, you know, complicated family stuff. So I'm working on this relationship with my dad and writing this script and uh, getting him involved in this. And we do the Kickstarter. And the moment that was funded, here we are. We're casting, costuming, and all else that goes into making a film, any film. And this one on a tiny budget and on a location that nearly everyone needed to travel out of state to, which happened to be my town, and my home. And uh, so we all had many, many jobs. These things combined with everything else I was doing to make a living, and I mean, because that wasn't making a living for me. None of these things were or are. And uh, so I'm doing all of these things, and I'm trying to make a living at the same time and promote myself and I think it all took its toll apparently I mean I would hear people saying and they still do I don't know how you do all that well you know what I don't either I'm kind of ADD and I can't help myself and I'm a creative person and you're never going to stop me because I've just always been this way and so, but, but through all this, all that was inside my head was, well, yeah, but you can't even support yourself or your home. What kind of loser can't take care of basic things? And all the while I'm preaching to others to love themselves like a beloved child and I'm bad talking myself. 
So it's kind of like I'm, uh, I'm all over the map, obviously. I'm going after my dreams of being a successful creative person, but by the standards of society today, while operating from an impoverished mental state. How's that going to work? So the health episodes began probably somewhere around two years ago. And it was both physical and mental. I, I was just exhausted. And I was wondering if my life is just here to struggle for the sake of art and why. But being who I am, I have no choice but to be that. So I just push it aside and went looking for the next thing to create. So opportunities come and they go and I'm doing all these things, but um, I'm locked inside my own head. And, and I know that. So I have this amazing opportunity and I go to this place where I can work on my mind, body, and spirit for two weeks while eating an organic, raw, vegan diet. It's called the Optimum Health Institute and... Uh, they're not paying me anything to say that, but you should look them up. They're pretty amazing. There's a, a campus in San Diego, uh, which is the one I went to, and there's one in Austin, Texas. I would love to go again. Anyhow, so I did that. I found a counselor that specialized in PTSD. Uh, I worked on that ancient trauma. I researched I sought help through healers, doctors. I took tests, medical tests. They all came back negative. And all three healers told me that there was nothing wrong with my body, but they acknowledged the things my body was holding at a cellular level. At the same time, I felt like maybe I should start getting my affairs in order because clearly I had some hard-to-diagnose rare affliction that just couldn't easily be identified, but it would be eventually and probably after it was too late to do any damn thing about it. I looked better in the mirror because I'd been eating well and I'd been sleeping uh, plenty of hours, <laughs> believe me, and taking walks with my dog. And I knew I was doing the best I could for myself, but my symptoms, the negative symptoms, just kept increasing. And I never knew when the next one would hit. I felt like I was losing my mind, and nothing I did could solve the puzzle. The contrast of blessings hardship and my past created inner instability and chaos and in desperation I went back to some of the basic things that make me happy and I began painting stones again and leaving them for others to find when taking a walk with my dog Shanka. This small act helped me to think of other small acts that felt good. I began having a few hours that I didn't feel bad, and that was, wow, that was magic. And then I had a whole day, and I started having little snippets of dreams, and I didn't say this before, but I quit dreaming for a long time, 
I had not had a dream that I remembered in several years. So that felt pretty amazing. And then something really amazing happened. And that story is next on my ring finger segment of things that I love. So please stick with me. Thank you. ring finger section for today which is things that we love I'm going to tell a story and uh, man it's it's a deep and complicated story so I'm going to try very hard to uh, condense it and not go off down rabbit holes in too many directions and let's just see how I do okay so uh, this, this story is about healing, and uh, you've heard some of my other things in the previous part of uh, this episode here, and so you have some understanding about um, what I've gone through and that journey. And this is about coming out of that darkness and a significant thing that happened. So my father died. Uh, almost two years ago and I really was left with with very little um, I I wasn't given anything after he died to remember him by and there's a lot of trauma around that a lot of family history and things that we're not going into here but um, I had an, a, an odd opportunity to get something, to have something given to me that had been my dad's and that I never thought I would see again. And it was given to me as a gift and it just happened to be a gun. It was a pistol uh, for a 22 pistol. And I'm not into guns, and that's probably why I didn't receive this initially, but, um, but it came to me. And then I was offered an opportunity a few days after that to go target shooting with it, which I, I said yes. And something happened. I was out there, and... Memories started coming back, things of my dad taking me out target shooting when I was a teenager and how uh, these types of sports like bow hunting, not hunting, but uh, target shooting with a bow and with a pistol and games that require that type of focus and... um, it's almost meditative and it's a competition against your own personal skills of honing in and and being able to focus into a target and all of this stuff just kind kind of came it was so unexpected so unexpected and although it's a gun i was shooting and this piece came over me and to know I was holding something that was special to him and something that 
that connected us in something we had done together and enjoyed when I was younger. And beyond that, I don't have words. But it shifted something in me. That was on September 25th. And it was a real shift. Almost like when you shoot the gun and you feel the click in the chamber to the next. It's unremarkable and yet it's amazing at the same time. And that's what happened. I can't explain what's happening after that, but my life is changing in amazing ways. And I just want to say that if you're suffering from depression when you're in the middle of it, I know there are no words to make you feel better sometimes. You think, oh yeah, it works for them. It's not going to work for me. And I'm not saying that anything in this podcast is going to work for you. But what I am saying here in this section about love is that when... You're open to the possibilities. You just never know what may come your way. I love you here on Jackie's Hand of Horror. And uh, stay tuned for my beautiful granddaughter, Aradia's section, coming up next. Welcome back to Jackie's Hand of Horror, and here we are with Aradia for our little pinky section and Aradia's opinion. Aradia, today I want to ask you, this is about uh, what makes you happy, what makes you sad. So when things aren't going well for you, what kind of things make you happy? What what can you do to make yourself feel better? Um, hmm. Holding kite. My baby sister, Kyrie. Um, playing Minecraft, playing board games, playing with my cousin, playing outside, playing with my Pokemon, playing with my laptop, and lots more things. Yeah. Let's just say. So it sounds like things that make that, that you enjoy. They help make you stop thinking about the things that you're not having a good time with. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things um, make you sad? When Kyrie cries. Oh, yeah, last night my mm-hmm. brother decided to bring my bouncy ball inside the restaurant and it fell into something. Like a grape. You were telling yeah. me a thing on the floor? Yeah, a grape or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's gone. gone. <laughs> and they're only 25 cents at Old Navy. Uh-huh. Yes, we talked about it, and, and it upset you. I totally get that. But then we talked about ways that that you could get past it, and luckily it was something inexpensive, right? Thank goodness it wasn't like a family heirloom, some like your great-grandma's necklace or something. Yeah. Oh, I actually do have a great Oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I'm glad it wasn't that that he lost, huh? <laughs> Never trust your little brothers out four or less with 
thanks. Especially bouncy balls. Yes. In public okay. places. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice to see you smiling again. <laughs> I love having you here on this podcast. That makes me happy. And I have to agree with you that holding your little sister is it's a beautiful awesome. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's just a little girl. She, she's only like four months. Yeah. She's pretty small and helpless. But she's so cute. Yeah. We'll have to share pictures of her. She has dark brown eyes. She has little, um, oh, little dark brown hair, little chubby cheeks. <laughs> She's so cute and kind of chubby. Yeah, makes you smile just talking about her. She's so cute. Yeah, and you're a and wonderful big sister. Well, I love you, honey, and thank you so much for being here on the podcast again. I and, forgot my words. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Um, I forgot your words, too. Me, too. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a great time here on... Jackie's Hand of Horror! Woo! You even did jazz hands. Love it. All right, honey, we'll talk next time. Goodbye! Well, thank you for joining us once again on Jackie's Hand of Horror. We've had another great episode here with my team, with myself and our tech support, Quinn and Natalie and the rest of the crew at the Revival League podcast.